welcome to the latest Science of Sport podcast. I'm your host Matt Solomon and today I'm delighted to be joined by Connor McDonald. So Connor is the Pathway Performance Manager at Great Britain Para Powerlifting. Previous to this, he completed his master's degree at Loughborough University. He's currently helping the Great British team to prepare for their world championships in Dubai very soon. So who better today to discuss how you can improve your bench press than Connor? So without further ado, it's time to welcome him onto the show. Connor, welcome to the Science of Sport podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here. Yeah, pleasure to have you. Thank you very much for inviting me. Really thank you very much, mate. Well, thank you. Um, so can you give us a quick introduction as to who you are and what you've been up to until now? Yeah, so my name's Connor. I'm the Pathway Performance Coach for Great Britain Para Powerlifting. So my role is half performance coach for the World Class Programme. So the guys are going to Paralympic Games. Then the other side of it is involved with the Pathway. So I'm involved with recruiting, sort of trying to shape what these early experiences for new athletes look like. So by the time they get onto world-class program, they've got all the education they need to flourish and to go medalist, basically. So that's the role. And then before that, I did my master's in strength and conditioning at Loughborough, um, where I also worked in other elite sports, such as football, boxer, and parathetics, and then my undergrad in sports science um, at Cardiff Met. So that's sort of like my professional journey. And then I'm based in Loughborough with the, the team now out of the university. So absolutely fantastic. And that's obviously where I got to meet you last week, which is uh, a pleasure. So um, before we uh, reminisce, uh, let's, uh, let's have a little quick look about uh, what power powerlifting is, um, yeah. and how that potentially differs from powerlifting. So can you give us a little introduction to, to what that looks like? Yeah, sure. So power powerlifting is there's the main difference compared to the non-adaptive version is it's just bench press only so the guys that i coach on a weekly basis they're all impaired athletes so the main impairments that we sort of recruit for there's a list of seven or eight impairments but the ones that we recruit for mostly because we see them have the most or win the most medals um, are spinal cord injuries um, short stature and lower limb amputees um so the good thing about the sport is that it's done on a classification basis, sorry, on a body weight basis. So um, it's all done into nine different body weight categories. So you could be a 50 kilo short stature athlete against a 50 kilo Lerla amputee, um, which is really, really cool, which is I know it's different compared to other sort of Paralympic sports that I've also been involved in. Um, you know, these guys are pound for pound, some of the strongest guys on the planet, even the non-adaptive side. So, you know, the world record, um, Evan, any body weight is a guy who called Raman. He used to weigh around 200 kilos and benched 310 kilos. Um, as you do, as you do. <laughs> casually. And honestly, he, he had this, um, I think his impairment was something called gigantism, where he's just an absolutely beast of a man, basically. And unfortunately, he ended up dying of, um, I think it was heart failure a few years ago. Um, but when he was on the bench, his hands were just like right on the end of the barbell. He couldn't get any, any wider and it was still such a narrow grip for him and it just <laughs> absolutely flew. Um, so it's a pretty, it's a pretty awesome sport to be a part of. And even like some of the guys that we have there benching over 200 kilos, we've got many guys who are top eight in the world at the moment and going for their Paris, um, rankings. So yeah, it's a pretty exciting time. And as I mentioned to you last week, we're heading to Dubai in two weeks for our world champs. We've got the last major big event before the games we have other ones that are coming up in the next few months before the games but this is the biggest one we have coming up so yeah it's getting close to the crunch time so 
that's probably the main difference is that it's just no bench or squat because obviously the guys impairments it's all just bench press only so cool so obviously that those uh, categories make it then quite competitive as yeah. in terms of like what you can and, and can't lift because i imagine the 50 kilo category isn't going to be lifting the 300 kilos whereas maybe a 100 kilo category gets a little bit closer exactly. um but obviously that's a little bit of physiology how does physiology play into to the sport then so looking at uh, different physiologies which you have available to you how do they impact the ability to, to bench press so if we take the three impairments that i've mentioned already so if we take short stature athletes for example they are sort of the ideal sort of impairment to bench base because they have shorter limbs they've got to push the bar sort of shorter range which then means you can probably put more weight on the bar um and if we look into sort of the technique of the bench press um, without going into too much detail um one of the things we look at is something called bench press shape which is basically how much sort of shape can you create around your like thoracic mid chest region so the idea is to the cue that we send to use is as the bar comes down can you meet your chest halfway so essentially if you can minimize that amount of range you can press by again shape and also because the short stature athlete because they've got shorter limbs basically just makes the bar not have to move so far so essentially these guys are like super super strong um but obviously training outside of that there's a lot of considerations that we need to put in place so for example stability is a big thing which i go on to about and quite a lot of different education pieces where say if some guys are on a lap pull down or if they're on like some sort of seated row or chest press machine you see their legs are dangling um and obviously you want your whole body to be completely stable you want something pressing against the ground or some object so that you can apply maximal force right so like you see some of the guys um, have blocks under their feet when they're doing lap pull down work or if they're on a row machine just so they can not worry about falling off or feeling sort of like not stable enough to produce a maximum amount of force um, and then with that as well, um, the guys, because again, because of their shorter limbs, they tend to have small hands, so they find it hard to grip things. Um, so when you look at accessory movements or like reverse flies or any dumbbell work, these guys are obviously super strong, but they can't actually grip like a, you know, 16, 18, 20 kilo dumbbell very well, very comfortably. Um, so we tend to use you know, figure of eights or wrist wraps, which I'm sure quite a lot of the listeners and general pop will be able to also know that doing a, a big deadlift or you know a big row, your wrist will give way first, right? So um, that's a key thing which we normally add into most of their progress to make sure they're hitting their back more than their, their forearms, for example. Um, so they're the main physiology bits within short stature athletes. Then if you go on to like spinal cord injuries, it's again it's more of a stability thing as well and depending on where their level of spinal cord injury actually is will depend on how much core stability they've got so in some of the videos that we've got on instagram you see some of the guys for example benching with bench straps so these bench straps our benches that we use are basically completely supine and they're a lot wider so the guys can have their feet up rather than feet on the floor um so these straps usually two straps one around the mid thigh and one around the mid shin basically imitates the sort of leg drive that non-adaptive athletes can do. Um, and this just allows them to be fully locked into the bench. And the goal is to be able to, again, if they're lifting, you know, 200 kilos off the racks, if they're, you know, at any other impairment, they don't want their legs to fall or them to move back, you know, so that allows for that extra bit of stability. Um, and then with different exercises, for example, the way to go about it is by getting them lying down, for example, rather than doing something seated in their chair, because 
if they're doing face pulls or some sort of shoulder rotation stuff, their chair is obviously very stable. They're sat in it, you know, most days. And, and it's pretty crazy to see some of these guys doing bunny hops in their chairs and, you know, doing all this crazy stuff. And I'd, I actually got in the wheelchair basketball chair a few weeks ago at an event and I just couldn't, I just couldn't make it work. So just to see these guys going around is, is pretty awesome. But um, did, did you tear your hands up, by the way? Oh. The, first, the first time I did it, I was like, oh, good. I can't write stuff for a week now. That's brilliant. Honestly, like, and how, and how they just put, so I know some of the guys wore gloves that I noticed, but they're even just like stopping and sliding their hands on the wheels and like, just like getting complete like black marks all over your hands. And I have calluses at the best of times. These ones are just yeah. worn off after that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, agreed. So like these, you know, these guys are obviously like super, super stable um, in these chairs, but when they're trying to exert force in a face pull or something, you know, they could easily just flip off the back of their chair. Um, so we get people, for example, one of the, our super heavies, Liam, um, he's spinal cord injury and we get him lying down sort of in front of the cable and doing a face pull to here, for example, like lying down to his head. So you can take that sort of stability off the chair completely out of the question. Um, and again, anything also like chest supported is a really good way of also going around that as well. But again, putting things in place, even if it's, you know, even if you're not impaired, if you're just general pop person wanting to train and lift, lift big with a bench as some sort of exercise putting plates on the front and the back of the bench so it doesn't tip or it doesn't move, so it doesn't change the positioning is a big thing that we've sort of noticed as well. Um, the biggest thing, as long as they're, you know, comfortable and they can, they feel like they can exert force is the biggest thing because, you know, I've said to people before, if you want to sort of get a spinal cord injured athlete to, you know, do some heavy rows, for example, which is a, which is a solution or a problem we try to get over with Liam because he's so strong. Like our, me and the boss, Tom, we try and pass him cables to do single arm rows but he's full stack in 120 kilos we can't physically pass the cable anymore so i'm like what what on earth can we do that so we chat to my Liam. we need you to do you need to get some heavy rows in you what can we do we can obviously use machines which is fine but again you have that sort of they got to sit from their chair up onto the seat onto the machine which obviously then health and safety wise you know i've got to be behind him almost catching him just in case and there's been times where i've had to he calls me twinkle toes because i'm always on my he's <laughs> moving around um so it's trying to find a way to do it and we ended up getting and suit um chest supported on a supine row and he can now pull really really nicely there so i think using the athlete as your problem solver it's like this is where we want to go how sorry it's a bike going past how can we get you to do this movement and how can you work with your impairments to allow us to do this? So it's been a really cool sort of challenge. Um, I guess the last one again is, is lower limb amputees. And again, quite similar to the um, spinal cord injuries really. Um, so these guys, again, because depending on how high their amputation is, um, balance can be an issue and also stability again on some exercise if they're you know, holding a dumbbell on one side and it's the, you know, the, eye, the side where they're having like an amputated leg or if they've got some prosthetic or something, they could tend to fall over. So again, making sure that health and safety wise, they're strapped into an exercise. And I tend to make sure most exercises are also seated because it allows them also to not have a lot of pressure into their socket, into the end of their stump, because we're working with some parathetics guys a few years ago, um, doing some sort of split squats and stuff on an amputated leg can be quite painful. So just trying to again make sure they're comfortable um so they're like the main physical things that i would say that would influence um those different impairment types and constant daily challenges to try and see how much we can get out the guys so they can bench more
So. Yeah. So that, that, and that's what I'm, I'm interested in, right? Like if you're, let, let's say there's people listening to this who just want to increase their bench press. So there's obviously tons of lessons that can be learned too. Um, so how, how do you then adapt those training sessions to ensure that bench press is maximized? So I might, I, I have this, this image of you training bench three times a week, yeah. um, but you can't just always bench press. So how do you adapt those training sessions with that in mind? Sure. So if for the general um, population, just general people want to train and want to improve the bench press, you know, you can take some of the technique bits that I've already mentioned regarding like shape and there's things that we can go into with, you know, grip width and how the angles of the shoulders and elbows are supposed to look. So everything's pushing in the right direction and stuff, but yeah. Can, can, you, can you talk us through that? Yeah. So, you know, whenever I get some new pathway guys that are coming to, to bench, the ideal place where you want your hands or your elbows to be as the bar comes down to your chest, so you want your hands to sort of be in line with your elbows or just outside of your elbows. So that just allows all the force, all the angles you want to push also go in the right direction. Because if you, if your hands are slightly in and it just means you're losing force in a direction where you're not going to be able to push as much as you want to. So if you're able to create that shape that we mentioned earlier, and if you're able to get a grip width wide enough, which your wrists can handle, of course, um, then you're going to be able to increase your bench press quite quickly. And also the other big thing I think I, that I see and just when I'm looking and I'm standing in the gym, just admiring other people's benches is the way the bar path moves. So the ideal bar path is you, as it comes off your chest, you want to push it sort of back towards your shoulders. So if you imagine if you're pushing it more vertically, then you've got gravity to contend with and because the bar is going further away from you it's a lot harder to, to lock out and finish the press. So if you're able to put the, the bench press shape and the grip width at a level, which as the things I've mentioned, you've ticked off. And if you can get your bar path correct with your elbows in line with the bar as you're pressing up back towards your shoulders, then you're going to see maybe even a plateau and lifts, for example, you're going to see you exceed that plateau quite quickly just from making a few technique changes. Um, and we, we've seen with some of the guys that, that I've coached from being in the sport and not knowing how to train. So then now coming through and being really good benchers and they've put on 40, 50 kilos, not only because they haven't trained before, so they got like the newbie gains, but also technique wise, we're drilling that technique into them so much. And it's like, if you can work on that bench press shape, keep that shape really nice and tall, limit that range you have to press and almost chase the bar back up as you're pressing it then you're going to be a real win because you're if you lose that shape, you'll be pressing probably an extra inch and that extra movement doesn't seem like a lot, but actually when you've got closer one rep max weight on the barbell, it's going to be pretty tasty trying to get that one back up. Um, yeah. But answering your previous question about like, you know, how do we, I guess, spice up in a way, it's we will look at how the guys, sort of how they, where they stick in certain movements. So for example, if their sticking point is halfway up the press, then we do sort of like rack press, which is basically we get in our in our bench, we've got racks either side, like safety racks, basically. So we get the guys to do a normal bench, but we come down halfway to where the sticking point is and then just load the up mass because obviously above that sticking point, they can lift more. So we're like, okay, let's, let's really go to town on that sort of like mid range or if it's something off their chest, they find it hard to produce force. Then okay, we get them to pause there on their chest, on the racks or on their chest in general and just get them to work on getting through that sticking point with the goal of then obviously pushing the sticking point away to a point where hopefully all the way through the press, they'll be able to exert force really nicely and have that really nice force curve as you go through. Um, 
and again we can get into like different rep ranges and stuff and depending on what sort of what is the program goal of that so we normally program in three four week blocks um so it's like okay well the first week is more first block sorry is more like hypertrophy based and then it goes into this middle ground of trying to find your potential and the th final block is almost like okay let's realize that potential the things of the work we put in for the final two first two blocks um so yeah they bench three times a week as you said but we try and do different exercises whether it's said rack press wide grip close grip over pause work because because the sport is so difficult to get a good lifting comp like the guys need to make sure that they're pausing the bar on chest for example waiting for certain commands from the referee which is similar to the non-adaptive um, powerlifting world where they've got to wait for the ref to say start and then we as the coach would say press and then they've got to wait for a rack command to put it back in the rack so if they miss those calls for example it'd be a no lift um so it's it can get as well as the technique side of it it's also quite difficult in general to get a good lifting comp as well so and like for for the, the context of of myself and people listening what kind of numbers are we thinking about right yeah. so if you're looking at um like especially the ratio to body weight because that becomes super important yeah. um what what kind of ratio to body weight are we looking at for bench press in that case and then what's a good bench press or what do you yeah yeah so like obviously if if i'm if i'm lifting one and a half times body weight i'm probably pretty happy with that but yeah. i imagine some of those guys aren't yeah so <laughs> I, I would fail miserably obviously but like what, what does that what does that look like for them so i always i think that if you can bench your body weight i think it's a pretty good feat in general to be honest um if you compare it to the squat and deadlift um i think majority of people can probably get close to their body weight if not probably over um but benching body weight is a really cool feat so that's probably the first objective i'd be like try and bench body weight but anything over that you're laughing basically because that's that's pretty good going like i can't remember what this stat i saw something on instagram the other day and it was like a random quote of like um the percentage of the population that can lift over body weight or 1.2 times and it's actually not as much as uh, what i was actually shocked at how little it was um whereas some of go on to my athletes so some of the guys they're easily benching two two and a half times the body weight like easily so one of our guys who's number one in the world at the moment um he weighs 60 four kilos and benches pbs 204 205 so that's not that's yeah. not bad yeah so you know they're, they're getting close to benching to definitely most of them are benching double body weight easily you know some of the some of our females super strong females like olivia who was a bronze medalist at tokyo um she weighed around 50 kilos and benched around 115 113 for example um, so you know, these guys are super, super strong. And obviously every four years when the new cycles come out and when the new competitions get given, we, we go through lo all the rankings and the results, almost trying to predict, okay, what is the top eight for Paris going to look like? And then, you know, we can work off, you know, in that year, how much progress does this athlete need to make so that they can be on track to hit a target to get into top eight, because in every body weight category, you need to be in the top eight to be able to qualify for the games. So for us, it's like we have certain performance standards for me personally, for guys to come onto the pathway and already, you know, at the top of my head, if you're looking at 59 kilo class to get even for us to sort of be interested in the pathway for us, well, we've got three different levels. And if you're going to go in the lowest level of the pathway at 59, 65 kilos, you're probably looking at benching 108 to 115 kilos, probably for us to be interested. So, you know, it's, um, it's just because the rankings and the 
how strong everyone else, the whole other world is getting just going, just going up. So then we need to also improve that as well. Um, so yeah, I would say if you can, you can bench body weight, like it's pretty, pretty impressive. Like how much do you bench? Surely you can, you bench body weight, right? Can you bench oh, mate, mate, yeah, I can bench body weight. Uh, my, my best is 137 and a half. And how That's, much do you weigh? Uh, at the time it was probably about 95. That's good going. It's all right. It's yeah. yeah. I mean, like it's not sloppy, but it's yeah. nothing like your guys are benching. So you know, it's uh, it's all about some I mean, levels, I suppose. I mean, you know, whenever I'm benching, I always just see the guys like looking over at me, and they're like rubbish poured. <laughs> this, this is my warm up, right? And it's like, I've, yeah, yeah. Guys are giving me a target to bench. Um, so my current PB is something like 120, I think. And um, the guys have said to me to bench 130 by November. Um, it was supposed to be in Dubai in two weeks, but I had a few holidays and I haven't trained as much as I wanted to, so I pushed it back. Um, yeah. I'm just watching these guys benching like 130, 140 in the warm-up. I'm like, damn, that's the weight I need. That's the weight I need to press. <laughs> yeah. Just doing it casually as well. You're like, Honestly, yeah, just, I'm not even, no, not even strapped in. You know, Sometimes Liam will do, because um, I said it could be spinal cord injury, sometimes his legs come off the bench as he's doing his warm-up. So he's benching you know, 150, 160, just... Just having a bit of fun with it, he, he could probably throw it in the air and catch it and carry on going. It's so it's pretty, Mate. it's a pretty amazing thing to see. It's a different world, a different world. And it, it, in terms of like injuries and stuff for those guys, because obviously you're going to be doing quite repetitive, similar things the whole time. Are there are there particular injuries that you see coming back a lot? So touch wood, we're quite lucky with we haven't had many injuries. Um, so. One of the things we've been putting into our training more recently is because we're obviously a bench press sport, um, we've been seeing a lot of bicep sort of tendinopathies and like some shoulder stuff coming on because the guys are always in that, or in this normal bench press position where they're always pushing this way. And yes, we do lots of different physio, sort of like shoulder health exercise. A lot of, we, we do back, back days on a Tuesday and a Thursday. So we're constantly trying to make sure that we're getting the posterior as well as the anterior. Um, so we've been quite lucky. We haven't really seen a lot of injuries. We've had one one of our um, female athletes, Louise. Um, she was a bronze medalist at Tokyo as well, um, and she was in line to head to the commies last year. Um, and unfortunately, about two or three weeks out, um, she had a bicep tendon um, injury, so had to pull out of the, of the commies, um, which is a real shame. So she's actually coming back now, and she's absolutely flying. So it's going to be pretty cool to see her at the world again. Um, but you know, she's been through an extensive sort of rehab process and we've got a really amazing physio, um, within the sport and, you know, she's seeing the guys weekly with do, doing, always doing extras, whether it's mobility work, like such a big thing. I think it's, uh, even for anyone listening, I think if there's also something else where you're seeing a like a plateau in your squat or your deadlift, whatever it is, like if you can improve that range of motion, that's going to be such a massive game changer. Like the moment we're getting guys just lying on a bench and holding plates out to the side and stretching out their pecs post-session. Um, it's just been a game changer for the guys just so we can get some more movement in there. And it's, you know, if you can improve your range of motion, you can essentially use more muscle, right, for that exercise so you can exert more force and improve more muscle mass. So alongside the bicep stuff, we're doing more actual bicep exercise. We don't really do a lot of bicep exercise apart from back work, whereas now we're doing a load more eccentrics um, for bicep curls, a lot of normal bicep curls. Um, lots of external internal rotation work, which we've done, haven't really done a lot of previously apart from in warm ups, whereas now it's a, a main thing in the program. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, we said program in three, four week blocks usually. 
in that first block, we like to change some of the angles and the movements we do. So for example, one of my athletes is going through that block right now and I've got them doing some neutral grip pressing rather than doing some normal bench pressing just to get one, it's a fun alternative and two, it just allows the shoulder and the pec to experience loading in a different angle and different range. Um, and if it's, you know, back work, doing some more low rows than your high elbow rows, for example, and whatever it may be, it's just allowing it to, the athletes have a bit more fun with the general you know, prep block, what we call it, like hyper blocks are, you know, pretty, pretty brutal bodybuilding blocks, basically, with lots of tempos and stuff. So we can get the guys moving in different positions. Hopefully, that also should be sort of hopefully a precursor to staying injury free, make sure their body's robust and allowing themselves to move into different angles or stronger in different range that they might not have got into before. So I think that's a, that's a really interesting point. And I'd like to like touch on exactly how you build that up. Right. So you've, you've just said, all right, we're going to take that, that hypertrophy or general prep block. And obviously you've got two more. So can you talk us through then how you're going to prepare for, in, in this case, potentially world championships Yeah, going through those stages and just taking us through what sessions might look like. Yeah, sure. So as you said earlier, you're right in saying that the guys bench three times a week and depending on whether they're in the world plus program or whether they're in the pathway. So if you're in the pathway, they're programmed by myself. And then if they're in the world plus program, they're um, programmed by the two coaches above me, Ben and Tom. Um, and dependent on the athlete's time. So at, when they first come into the sport, they tend to do three sessions a week. So that would be a mixture of pushing and pulling on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, but if we take a world class program um, athlete, for example, their Monday session, for example, like, so in that first general prep block, as I said, it's more of a hypertrophy, um, a lot of fatigue, a lot of tempos, trying to get some basically big bodybuilding bits in. So, um, I'll tend to, I like floating around the five or six rep mark for a bench press. And that's normally just a formal bench press. So we like to keep that same sort of competition movement in um, for that. Just so we can allow them to keep on progressing and keep on working on that skill aspect of that and that technique aspect. And then depending on the goal, depending on what they're, um, what they want to achieve, it could be a secondary pressing exercise. Um, so it could be formal to a close grip and obviously for close grip then you have more of a tricep um emphasis so if someone needs to improve their tricep muscle mass they might put we might, we might put their close grip in there and then after that we tend to go to some sort of deltoid work so whether that be either a front raise or a shoulder press um into normally a tricep movement so depending on we normally look at the three sort of different muscles of the tricep and work them on a monday wednesday friday and do it in a different way um, so it could be, we love a JM press at the moment, get that full range, or we love a tricep extension, um, skull crushes. Um, and we sometimes even go on to, we've got some cool flywheel training methods at the moment in the gym. So of extra fly movements, which obviously I'm not sure the listeners would know. I'm sure many of them might, might do, but it basically overloads that eccentric part basically. And obviously using more sort of, of an eccentric muscle contraction type is obviously going to be more beneficial, um, for building muscle mass. Um, obviously potentially a bit more painful as the, uh, as the sessions go on more domsy. Um, but yeah, so, and then throughout the block, um, the way that we sort of progress exercises is we use reps and reserve as a prescription to failure all the time. And I really, really love it. It's the first time I've ever seen to come into the sport that I've actually used it both on my own training and actually in programming itself. So in that first block, say if it's four weeks, 
I would get the guys to um, fail one set um, of every accessory movement every week. Um, so then you can clearly see if it's an extra rep, is it an extra set? So for example, if you're doing three sets of 10 to 12 lap raises, that's all raises, first week you hit 10, you're like maxing out failure. The rest of the sets would probably be either one rep in reserve or two reps in reserve, depending on how fresh I want them to be for the next session and which whatever session in that week is like the, the main session, for example. Um, and then the next week, okay, try and get 11 reps and the call 11 reps ticked off. Okay, then go down to one rep in reserve because you can still get stronger and improve muscle mass by going to two reps in reserve easily. You can still get that, those gains. So then we like to see that progression over those four weeks and accessories so we can see, okay, they've gone to the next weight, they've maxed out that rep range, which is really, really cool. So we can see that they've definitely made progress there. Then benching again will be a similar thing where there'll be a certain sort of weight that I want them to hit for five reps, let's say at the end of the four weeks, um, give them normally a range of where that will work out and will work out from a, a longitudinal standpoint. Okay, in three months time, they need to hit X amount. So then, okay, let's split that from what do they want to hit at the end of that first that third block second block first block and then we'll work our way back and the way i like to program is by doing a top set and then back off similar to my accessories so i'll get them depending on how many reps in reserve um, they've got in there so for example we've got like an intensity loading bar calculator that we use for different percentages of one rep maxes for, for example 93 percent is a figure we use for doubles for example so um we would use percentage of you know five reps or whatever the one rep max you would need it to be um, and then i would then do a top set every week and either increasing in load in a range every single week so by the end of it hopefully we would be able to build enough fatigue in the accessories but also make gains also in the benching stuff not maxing out every single week making sure that the techniques are still good because the main thing for us is can they perform under fatigue if you're going because in the in comps you've got three lifts as you do in the non-adaptive powerlifting world as well. So we're like, okay, well, if you're a third lift and you need to hit 120 to get into top eight, you need to be able to perform it well technically under fatigue. So it's like we're in our heads, we're like, okay, let's do a top set and then let's get some back-offs in there to also make sure you're still getting stronger, but you're able to still repeat it technically as well. So that's like general prep. Then into the second block, we'll go, it's called, what's called specific prep. And specific prep will be, okay, let's take what the gains you've made in that first block. So go into the second block and in that block, it's still accessory is still quite high sort of intensity and bodybuilding wise, but we normally strip out the tempo. So we still stick to the reps and reserve. We still stick to um, maybe one set failure, mainly on like back stuff. We tend to stay one rep and reserve for most exercise, but as long as we're still seeing an extra rep, an extra kilo, whatever it is in, in accessories. Bench-wise, um, the actual reps will come down. So you almost see like a gradual decrease in rep volume. So it can be heavier as we go through. Um, so that can be, go sort of like probably like triples, threes or fours probably for those in the next four weeks. Um, and again, similar layout to if it's like, a, you know, a formal press, which is a normal bench press, then either a secondary press or a pec fly, two pec movements is ideal. Then into the, a shoulder movement, whether it's front raise, lateral raise, um, into a tricep movement. And then after that, probably depending on the guy's injury history or if they're showing some marks of potential injury, they'll come and do some shoulder health stuff. But we do a lot of shoulder health stuff in our warm-ups. That's already ticked off. 
so like w's t's y's um lots of other funky different external rotations internal rotation bits like do some ball dropping rate of force development stuff like some pretty pretty cool um short warm-up bits um and then that will transition into our competition prep which will then be okay the main obviously goal of the block is competition so we will then knock the reps down to let's say singles because obviously the goal is to lift single like heavy weights for a single rep in competition so again i'll take a similar standpoint of okay need them to hit x amount at the end of this four this this four weeks okay cool let's work that back to sing what a singles look like so i normally keep the set volume the same throughout the whole the whole sort of like three blocks but then okay i might go let's give you two sets at singles so that you can get say for example if you muck up the first set then okay let's give you a set rather than just doing one and then just backing off let's go let's give you two sets of singles so that you can work on that technique work on that same loading but then i'll back off and do some doubles um again not at a, like a max high weight because you've got to play into attention how much fatigue those singles are also going to carry across so um so yeah go into some twos there and then because this because the rep volume has dropped so much from that second block i would then add in a, a definitely a secondary pressing exercise as i did in that second block so that we can keep that rep volume nice and high um, and that can be normally in, at the moment i'm doing touch and goes right now um just to get some nice pushing get some again touch and goes are really good because they're allowing you to exert force really quickly through the movements Whereas as formal pressing does, formal pressing obviously is you're pausing on your chest. So you're allowed to make sure you're really pushing and getting everything out of it as you can. And you said, like, we're only going to two reps in reserve maximal on that because of how much fatigue that first formal pressing block will do. Then into accessories, again, we're not going to failure. We're probably going to one rep in reserve, two reps in reserve max. And if you take that four week block, those first two weeks are like normal training weeks. Whereas the final two weeks, normally at that fourth week, we're probably flying at the end of that week or we're going to a comp. So for those last two weeks, we'll do a taper. So bench stuff will still stay high, but accessory movements and any secondary pressing intensity will drop. So all accessories will go to your extra reserve for all sets. Um, secondary pressing will also stay at your extra reserve. Whereas then the actual formal pressing, you'd obviously tend to get heavier. So then at the end of the block, hopefully you can see them hit a single at a load that you want them to hit. So when you go out to wherever we're going for a comp, hopefully they can transfer that strength from those first three blocks all the way through to them a competition then. Um, so that's sort of how I program. We don't really tend to taper as, as other power and sort of power and strength sports do that I spoke to from, um, I had a meeting with a lot of sport SNC coach last week and she was impressed about how we don't taper like in a usual way. Um, but we've just seen that just knocking those two weeks down a little bit before flying, before traveling, tends to give the guys the most, um, the most luck, the most freshness to be able to push what they can do in a competition. So, absolutely excellent. I think that's a really interesting insight into not only how you can uh, adjust training, but obviously how you can build that up throughout those different blocks as well. And some, some yeah, super interesting. Uh, bits and pieces for people who just want to improve the bench press as well. So, Connor, massive thanks for your time and effort today. It's been a pleasure talking. Where can people find a little bit more about you? Yeah, so my Instagram handle is uh, ConnorMac underscore coach. Um, and then my post a few TikToks every now and then. So my, my TikTok is ConnorMac SNC. 
Um, and then to find more information about the sport, if anyone's interested on the British weightlifting website, um, there's a link to go to the power powerlifting page and that will tell you everything you know, it's about start lifting and any information about the sport. Um, so yeah, they're the main, they're the main bits to find more about me and what, yeah, what I've done, what we do. Perfect, mate. So best of luck at the World Championships coming up and I look forward to speaking again soon. Yes, thanks very much. I enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Cheers, buddy. Bye. And that's it. Once again, a massive thanks to Connor for all of his hard work on today's podcast. I really appreciate it. I'm sure you do at home too. Before you leave, I'm going to point you in the direction of the Science of Sport Coach Academy. Well, the Coach Academy is an overgrowing library of sports science courses. So if you've enjoyed today's podcast and you want to get some more great sports science information, all you have to do is hit the link in the show notes and you get into the Coach Academy completely for free using the link in the next seven days. And of course, if you have enjoyed today's podcast, it'd be fantastic if you can recommend us to a coach, a colleague, an athlete, or a friend. That means that we can keep bringing the best possible guests and the best possible content. And that's it. Once again, a massive thanks from me. I'm Matt Solomon of Science Sport, and I'll speak to you next week.